0: You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick. Uh,
1: but we're so glad that you're here. Uh, what an incredible time to be able to celebrate uh, just when it seems like the whole world pauses and stops. It just kind of is filled with a little bit of wonder, Uh, even from small kids, you know, the the wonder of Christmas to, uh, you know, us celebrating this moment of of Jesus here in this place. So we are so glad that you're here um, and we are excited to spend this time with you.
0: This month we've been talking about blessed assurance, this very good news that we have something to hold on to even when the world is crazy. And so we've talked about blessed assurance in the midst of chaos and fear. And we've talked about blessed assurance, what it looks like to choose obedience and trust. And last week... Uh, Alexander preached an incredible sermon about the promises and the plans of God and how that is our blessed assurance But this week we are talking about blessed assurance and how we can access it through and in the midst of waiting waiting mm-hmm. So I just want to say if you need to confess right now um, That one of your packages is not going to be here on time you need to say it's Nick. It's Nick. Nick needs to confess.
1: It is me. I'm the problem. It is um,
0: me. And I'm. I'm not. I'm not saying it's your fault. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I do. Some of us really do probably need to hear this very good news that you can stop tracking that package. Okay? It's not. It's in God's <laughs> hands.
1: It's it not in coming. God's hands. It's,
0: you might have upgraded to two It doesn't matter. Um, it's going to be a New Year's gift, okay? But really, there's all these different moments of waiting when it comes to the holidays, and um, maybe some of us have waited to start shopping. I actually, I'm not going to do it this service because last service I asked for a show of hands, and somebody was like, "It's me." I have it not was started shopping.
1: A proud hand. It went straight up <laughs> next to the wife, and I was like, "Oh wow, you're in dangerous." Yeah, territory. some
0: of us might have waited to start shopping, and that's that's on God now, and um, that's between Him and us. Um, some of us might be waiting to see if that certain person is going to give us a gift because then we know we need to buy them one. Do you know yes. what I'm talking about? Yes. The reciprocation gift, like, I, I maybe have one in my back pocket just in case you give me one. Um, and I love those gifts personally. Um, nothing like guilting somebody into giving you something, but the real moment of waiting that we, many of us are familiar with when it comes to Christmas is the actual Christmas morning. So um, for those of you who are not parents, I want to just tell you there's like a vibe. You find your vibe as a parent on Christmas morning what your vibe is going to be. Um, and hopefully you marry someone who has that same vibe. And while I got so many incredible qualities in this husband of mine, we don't have the same Christmas morning vibe, okay? So my Christmas morning vibe is that I want to be up before the kids even if that's 4 a.m., And I want um, cinnamon rolls made and ready waiting for them. I want to already have had at least one cup of coffee I want the whole room to have a glow around it like a vintage photograph You know what I'm saying a little magical a little special and if I'm being really honest with you guys I want to look cute. So I want to be in some kind of coordinating pajamas for the pictures. That's my vibe Um, And then I want them to come downstairs first thing in the morning and like rip their presents apart like wild hyenas um, while I send you my cinnamon roll. That's my vibe. But I married a very spiritual and patient person. And so we had to learn in our family um, very early on that Nick's vibe on Christmas morning is he wants to get a little sleep. An adequate amount of sleep. Um, and so he sets a time that we can start opening presents. It's more of a
1: boundary than a vibe. He has a
0: boundary. If you have a boundary on Christmas morning, that is a whole vibe. Um, his, uh, the other thing you need to know about him is that... Some of y'all are like this too. God bless you. You're so spiritual. He's a read the Christmas story on Christmas morning. Kind of Some of it.
1: we don't do the genealogies and all that. Just just something. But you he wants us all to, to collectively
0: read the Bible before we open gifts. Whereas I want to get straight to consumerism. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so where our vibes do not always match, and we figured that out our first few years of marriage. But the kids reminded me. Um, Of something that happened a couple of years ago in the waiting, in the waiting and anticipation on Christmas morning that is very strange. Um, And so a couple years ago, of course, I was up early. I'd made the cinnamon rolls. I'd done all the thing. I'd done my hair. We were in matching pajamas. The kids were up. They wanted to open their gifts. And they were like, can we wake Dad up? And I was like, no, you guys know. He's got his (laughs) rule. And by the way, when he wakes up, we're reading the Christmas story anyhow. So, like, just wait. Just get patient. So we all sat there. But it's Christmas morning. So I'm like, we're not turning the TV on. We're not pulling our devices out. um, There's nothing to do. We're all just sitting there looking at each other, you know, in the dark. And so when Nick did finally wake up that morning – and he came down the stairs. What he came down to was all of the kids lined up on the couch, laying on their side as I cleaned their ears out. <laughs> because I had nothing better to do. So I was like, hold on, guys, I'm gonna get some Q-tips." Everybody lay on their side. And they was like, what in the world are you guys doing? And I was like, I'm sorry. We got weird while we were waiting. See, things <laughs>
1: things happen in the dark. I was waiting to the light because I'm a child of the light and I wanted to wake up when the light was out. Um, I'm no gambling man, but one thing I do know is for certain is that waiting seems to be a part of the human experience, right? Like it all, it, it all seems like at one point or another that you and I experience times of waiting. I wanted to read a definition of waiting, just because I thought it was really good, I was like, "What the heck am I talking about when it comes to waiting?" So definitions always guide. This definition says it's the action of staying where one is or delaying action until a particular time or until something else happens. Hmm. And I think sometimes there's kind of two spectrums of the of the scale where you're like, "My waiting is me making it happen. Like that's how I wait. Is, is I, I don't, I don't need to to do anything else because." I'm waiting while I do it. And some people are like, I'm going to wait until the cows come home and, you know, you wait and then you wait some more. You have the spiritual gift of waiting. You know who you are. But sometimes in life we experience times of waiting. It can be a line at the grocery store when the self-checkout Promise that they extend to you doesn't work. Has anyone ever experienced that? Self checkout will be easier and better, is what they say. And I'm like, I this line just got way worse. Like I think my life just got complicated. Maybe it's the traffic they experience. of um, In Charleston, if you live here, uh, one of the things that we talk about is how many bridges do you travel? So if, if you travel two or more bridges, you got a lot of waiting in life. Like you are in your car. Um, if, if you travel one bridge, you've got a little bit of waiting. If you travel no bridges. Like you are the chosen one and that you have no waiting at all. And so it can be lines. It can be traffic. Another thing is uh, we're waiting for our shows to stream. Gone are the days when they let me choose my own life and how I want to binge my shows. Now they release them one and two at a time. We have regressed as a society and I don't like waiting any longer for my shows to come out? What happened to the days where I could watch shows until my eyes bleed? That is my choice. That is my lot in life that I have decided. But for some reason, Netflix and all the wonderful people out there have decided that it is best for me to wait on my shows to stream and I don't get it. But other times, waiting can be very complex and waiting. Like sometimes we're waiting for the dream job or the, the promise of employment. I remember uh, there was a time in my life where I really, really was waiting on a job, and I hated the weekend and the holidays. Because I knew if the weekend came and I haven't heard anything, I was gonna have to wait the whole weekend until maybe there was a promise of hearing something again. Or if it was the holidays, good luck. Like I wasn't gonna yeah. hear for the holiday and then two more weeks after the holiday because everyone's easing back into it. And so sometimes there's these moments when our perfect job and our dream job is what we're waiting on. Other times it can be friendships or relationships. There can be times when we feel super lonely, when we feel super uh, just isolated and we're like, "God, God, where is the relationship? Where is the thing that I've longed for and prayed for? Uh, maybe we're waiting on someone to change. You're like, oh, God, you got to get them, and I'm waiting for them to change. And when they change, then I will get back into the picture. Um, and so sometimes we're waiting on people to change. Sometimes people are waiting on us to change because we're all in process. Uh, sometimes we're waiting on financial relief and financial breakthrough. We're like, man, I've just been working so hard for so long, and I just I'm really ready for some sort of breakthrough to happen. Uh, recently, for me, uh, I've just experienced some family loss. And so sometimes we're working through the grief that happens while we're waiting. We're just waiting for the grief to stop. We're waiting for the loss to finally cease that we feel in our hearts. Well, man, I, just, I just am waiting for the days when I don't think about this. Sometimes grief can be like you know the apps that we never close out in our phones. Do you do, you do that or not do that? Y'all close your apps out? Okay, I don't close <laughs> my apps out. Sometimes grief is like the app that's running in the background. It's like sometimes we don't realize it's running, but it, but it is running. And sometimes it's ruining our life and it's running our lives. Um, and then there's anxiety and depression and fog, and sometimes we're waiting for that relief to come. Bottom line, I think, is that for us as humans, we will experience long and exhausting seasons of waiting. And so one thing here is true that if we're going to be people who walk with God, we're going to be people who have to learn how to wait on God.
0: We're going to look at a beautiful story in Scripture of some people who are waiting on God in a way that we can learn from, but felt like this might be a good minute for us to all take a little, uh, take a little self-accountability and maybe start to notice how you don't wait well. Because we all struggle with waiting and it looks different in different ways for some of us. To be honest, if I, if I really like scan my life and think like, hmm, how do I wait? How do I wait? How do I wait? I, do, I don't. Um, I can't think how many times I wait. So I just, I just do something. Or I make a plan. Or I take it matters into my own hands. And I think a lot of us might um, be looking for moments where we wait because we don't. Um, or we certainly don't do it patiently. I think a lot of us struggle with doubt. Um, Just if we're honest, like we start to look at God and we're like, when will this be over? When will you move? When will you fix this thing? Are you even here? Have you forgotten me? Do you see me? Um, I think a lot of us might look patient. We might look like we're so patient. We might look like we're worshipfully waiting, but really we're just being passive. Um, And that's not actually great waiting either. Um, and then most of us, I would say almost all of us, whether it's something silly that we're waiting for or something important that we're waiting for, um, if we're honest, we probably just distract ourselves a lot. So rather than paying attention to God, rather than asking what he's doing in our lives, rather than what, rather than waiting for him to grow us and shift us, um, we pick up our phone or we pick up a new thing or we ask someone to distract us In some certain way, Um, so we're going to look at the story in Luke two of Simeon and Anna. But I want to give you a little bit of context before we talk about Simeon and Anna. Um, Now, I had some family members in my life that we used to go see every single Christmas, Um, and I'm wondering if you had any family members like this. So we used to go see my uncle Eb and my aunt Enid. Eb, they don't name them like they used to. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Now we got like. Just crazy names, but I'm. I, we need to name somebody Enid again, because that is a strong name. My uncle E.B. and my aunt Enid, and we would go see them every Christmas. We'd go see them other times throughout the year, but we'd always go at Christmas, and E.B. had this self-playing piano, was so cool. I mean, now I I think we could just press a button, but back then I was like, this is
1: magic. (laughs) Um,
0: and Enid had the best makeup. That's what I noticed as a kid. And she had really incredible jewelry and they were just great. Um, but here's the deal with Enid and EB is that I was about 22 when I found out that they weren't married. Um, and if you're thinking like they were like partners, no, they, she was his aunt, but I didn't know that because as a child, they just always seemed to be together. Uncle Evie and Aunt Enid, uh, but she was actually his nephew and helped take care of him. And I, they didn't even live together that whole time. I thought we were going to their house. Um, so why I'm telling you this is because this is a little bit how you might get with Simeon and Anna if you've heard their story. You might think that they're your aunt and uncle who are married. They're not. They're not married, and that's important to the story. So we're going to read from Luke 2 about Simeon and Anna, and we're going to catch up, and it's going to say, at that time. And just so you know, when we say at that time, we're actually just tagging right onto last week's message where we talked about jesus being born Mm -hmm. so at the time of jesus's birth that's where we're catching up luke 2 at that time there was a man in jerusalem named simeon he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the messiah to come and rescue israel the holy spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the lord's messiah She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband, not Simeon, died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. so good.
1: I love this story being a part of the Christmas story. I think a lot of stories are like, oh, where's baby Jesus in the manger as a baby with all the wise men and, you know, the nativity scene. But I love this moment in Scripture because I think so much of the Christmas story— revolved around waiting like they didn't have cell phones they didn't have any social media they didn't have any of that they were just waiting on this thing that had been promised for so many years and so when jesus finally came when jesus was finally being born this is a part of that story and so one of the things i love about this is in our current context have you ever seen the gender reveals Y'all seen those? Those are the big thing now on the gram and, and on the social media. Is we put the emphasis on the gender roles. and some of those things get wild. Like, like people are going to the hospital, I'm sure people have gotten arrested. Like those things are getting wild. But in this context, the big deal was the baby dedication. So when Mary and Joseph had the baby, they knew where they were taking it. They were taking it to the temple. And so they come to the temple and they have two people who are waiting. Could they call ahead? No. Did they send an email? (laughs) Absolutely not. These people were waiting in the temple. And one of the things I love about Simeon's story is, I don't know about you, but sometimes you have those days when you go to work and you are like, I do not want to go to work. I do not. I see. I see a few head nods. I see. This is vacation. So I won't talk too much about work. But Simeon had one of those very rare days where he was like, I'm ready to go to work. Yeah. I think something great's going to happen when I go to work today. And he was right. He got to meet the Messiah who was coming And the same for Anna. Anna, the scriptures tell us she would have been a widow for 60 to 80 years. And every day she was in church. Y'all, this is my profession. This is what I do for a living. I can tell you that I'm not here every day. This girl was devoted. She was there every day waiting on God to move in some sort of way. And one of the things I have learned about waiting is that how we wait is more important than what we're waiting on. How you and I wait in life is more important than what we're waiting on. So for you and I, how do we find assurance in the midst of the waiting Because waiting is so hard. And so for you and I, how do we find that assurance that we're longing for?
0: So one of the first things we notice about Simeon and Anna that helped them wait well, that helped them wait with blessed assurance, is that they did actually know what they were waiting on. They did actually know what they were waiting on. For Simeon, he said he was waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel, and for Um, And for Anna, she was able to say that she was waiting and she had seen the Messiah come to redeem Jerusalem. And so they were able to know this is what we want and this is now what we've seen God do. But what's so interesting about this is that in the most unlikely of settings, Jesus coming as a baby, um, in this very wild and tumultuous time in history, they were able to look and say, God has done what he said he'd do. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of Jesus' life, when we study the rest of the New Testament, for the rest of Jesus' life, people would look at him and say, Like, are you it? <laughs> are you it? Even John the Baptist, his cousin, who he was incredibly close with, who he did ministry with, at one point, John the Baptist sent word to Jesus and said, Are you really the one? Are you the one to come? Even Jesus' disciples were like, we we just thought you were going to be different. We expected something different from you. We're not totally sure you're the one. And so what I kind of surmise here about Simeon and Anna that I think is so interesting is because they didn't have really specific expectations, they had an increased expectancy of God to be God. So for you and I to wait well, one thing that we probably know, but it's very helpful to be reminded of, is that if we have really specific expectations of how we perceive God is going to move, we will probably be disappointed. Mm -hmm. If we have a big view of God, and we know what we're waiting on, we're waiting on God to be good, we're waiting on God to show up, we're waiting on God to redeem, we're waiting on God to heal but we let go of some of the expectations of exactly what we think that might look like or when we think it will happen, we will definitely have a wild sense of blessed assurance i want to just tell you in a weird way how i how i did this wrong even studying this scripture so getting ready for this message i'm studying about simeon and anna and i'm looking over the passage and i think i'm being clever because i get to this point where i realize that simeon said he was waiting on the messiah to rescue israel and anna says that she thought that or she's excited that the messiah came to rescue jerusalem and i'm like maybe there's a distinction here one of them says Israel, and one of them says Jerusalem. Maybe that's because he's, he's macro-rescuing, and he's also micro, and, or maybe it's because the government will be on his shoulders, but also the spiritual. Like, I just, I, I'm all up in it, and again, I'm going back to trying to fit God into a box and trying to understand exactly what I think it is he's going to do, as if that's my job. And the beautiful part about Anna and Simeon is that they could say those things, but what they knew when they saw him is God is good. And when we look at this passage in context, we remember that God had been silent with his people for 400 years. No prophets, no words from the Lord. So they're just watching and waiting for the Messiah. And I can't help but think and compare Simeon and Anna to everybody else who would encounter Jesus for the rest of his life. And I wonder if maybe their lack of expectations increased their expectancies. And they knew what they were waiting on. They were waiting on God to be good. They were waiting on God to be true. They were waiting on God to fulfill his promises. But they didn't have a lot of details around what they expected that to look like.
1: That's good. Uh, when I think about our kids at this time in the season, like the waiting is on high alert. Like they are waiting for tomorrow. tomorrow I mean, they're not waiting great. They're not waiting great, but this is the Super Bowl. Like this is the Super Bowl of their life. And so I think the question is, is for us is, are, are we waiting on something? Are, are we waiting on God to do something? Because I think sometimes when I find a rut in my life, when I find that I'm down, I find that I'm discouraged – I'm not not waiting on God. And if I'm not waiting on God, I don't have expectancy for God. And here's one of the most beautiful things about waiting on God is when we're able to have high expectancy and we're willing to let go of the expectations. he does an incredible work and he surprises us There's just little ways every day that he surprises us in the waiting. And so in your life, in this moment, as you think about 2024, what are you waiting on? Even more importantly, who are you waiting on? Because if you're waiting on someone or something else, chances are they might disappoint. But if you're waiting on God to move, if you're waiting on him to move on your behalf, then you will never be disappointed. Mm -hmm. So secondly, in order to find assurance in our waiting, we must keep showing up. We must keep showing up. And so going back to the passage, I just can't help but wonder, did Anna and Simeon ever not want to show up? Like, you've got to think about all the baby dedications and all the, you know, back then when they came to quote-unquote church, it was about the sacrificing of animals. I, I'm a city boy. I grew up in the city. I, I couldn't tell you the first thing about sacrificing an animal, but that's why I have Trader Joe's and the grocery stores. That, like, you got to imagine that in their lives, it was really hard to show up every day. Like, today, am I showing up and am I going to just see the same old thing Nothing at all. Like, what's going to happen? And so for them, I wonder how many disappointing days they had where they were like, well, that was a bad day at the office. I don't know what happened. I don't know why that happened, but it was really, really hard. And so for me personally, I do know that sometimes when I'm waiting on God, it's really, really hard. And sometimes I want to give up on God. And usually I find myself giving up emotionally. And then sometimes I give up spiritually. And if I do those things, usually I give up physically. And if I give up physically, I stop showing up. I'm like, I I don't want to do this today. I don't, I don't want to do this tomorrow. And one of the things I have learned is if I do not show up, then it's really hard to see when God shows up. Yeah like if I'm not showing up in my day to day then chances are I might not see God show up. Yeah. And here's something I know to be very true is that physical presence leads to spiritual breakthrough. Come on. If you are longing for a breakthrough in your life, if you are wanting to see a miracle, if you're wanting to see a move of God, then you have to allow the physical presence be the thing that kicks you to the next level. How we show up and where we show up matters.
0: This is a whole word for some of us uh, with the new year coming, and I feel like we can probably all relate to this, that a lot of us will be like, okay, I'm going to try this new rhythm, or I'm going to try this new thing, or I'm going to try this new gym, or I'm going to try this new vitamin. It was me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like having the vitamins in the house is (laughs) the...
1: That's the win. Part of
0: it, right? Right. That's the win. <laughs> it's getting into my system just sitting on the counter. Um, but we do this, right, especially in the new year. Like we try something for four days and it doesn't change our whole life. And we're like, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> done. or like the first time it gets hard or the first time we don't like see what we want to see happen we're like okay that was was a great try but let's move on Um, but it's so wild remembering not only has there been 400 years of silence but Anna and Simeon are constantly every day showing up without any reason to just except for that they want to see God move and so Kind of like taking quitting off the table, taking defeat off the table, taking defensiveness, even that says, like, that person isn't going to change, so I'm not going to change. But continually saying, like, God, you can have my feet, you can have my heart, you can have my expectancy, um, really enables us to keep showing up so we can see God show up. So first of all, we want to know what it is that we're waiting for. We want to keep showing up as we wait. And then there's this one last little piece that I want us to capture from Simeon and Anna. Um, We hear Simeon say he took the child in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. And then later we hear Anna, it says, that she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly. So this last thing I just capture and I I notice and I see about their story is that they had wild blessed assurance because they practiced gratitude when God moved on their behalf. They practice gratitude when God moved on their behalf. Um, praying about this message and praying about this word this week, I felt like God just kind of put this like, tough thing on my heart, not only for myself, but also to share with all of us. Um, and it's this, that um, for those of us who are waiting on God to move, for those of us who would say that we are waiting on God to move, the truth is we really aren't. God is moving on our behalf already. So he may not have brought full healing or full restoration or full insight or full wisdom to you about the thing that you're waiting on. But we cannot, in the name of Jesus, believe that we are waiting while he is doing something else. While he's distracted or busy, God is actively right now moving on my behalf, moving on your behalf. He cannot help but to be good and to do good for his kids. So even as we use this language like I'm waiting on God, I'm just waiting on God. You can say that I'm waiting on God, comma, but he is already moving on my behalf. I'm waiting on God, comma, but he is moving on my behalf. He is working for me. What I notice is this, Nick and I, and we'll talk occasionally, and I don't know if you have these conversations with other people in private, but Nick and I will have these conversations in private. I'm just kind of showing you a little bit of our flaws right now. Um, but occasionally we will mention to one another people who seem to like always be blessed. Do you know what I'm talking about? A little bit. I see a little bit of side eye in the back. So do you have a friend that's like, God gave me the perfect parking spot, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Or like, God gave me uh, this free coffee. Can you believe it? Or you, I, God gave me this vacation. Or can you believe, God did this for me and God did that for me. Do you all know those people? The thing is, I like to side of those people, but A of all, that's sinful and prideful. And B of all, I do not believe that God is moving more on their behalf. I just think they're actually giving him credit. While the rest of us are like, look at this thing that I did. Look at this thing that happened to me. But wildly blessed people are people who practice gratitude and say, look at what God did for me. The same is true with people who who perceive that they are always hearing from God. Do you know those people? Nick and I have talked privately about those people who are like, God told me this, and God told me that, and God said this to me, and God gave me this encouragement. And I'm like, aren't my ears broken? Like, how are you hearing from God so much? And I'm hearing like, it would be nice to have a bagel this morning. I I think the truth is not that they hear from God more because our capacity to hear from God is not dependent on us God's a good communicator and he's always talking to his kids so the truth is actually that they're just listening that they're just asking and that they're paying attention and so the most honestly the most important part about this story for Anna and Simeon is that they took the moment to say look at what God did Simeon went so far to say "It's like take me out I'm done (laughs) I've seen God do what I wanted him to do. I've seen God be God. Gratitude is actually wildly important as we're waiting on God. And not just when we finally see the thing come to fruition, but all along the way to be people who say, this is what God is doing. This is what God has done. God does good and he is good for me
1: so good uh this last year just being grateful in the midst was huge for me i i felt like my life shifted when my heart shifted to gratitude it just it did everything changed when i was able to practice gratitude i used to think that god was withholding from me like man why is he withholding so much why is he withholding so much and then finally i realized i'm holding many things from god yeah like he has given me many many things And I think sometimes we have that posture of withholding, but one of the things I've learned about God is God doesn't withhold, he unfolds. And so it just takes time. Like seeing the hand of God unfold things in our life takes time. He is never withholding from his kids. Uh, The scriptures speak to this truth all the time and specifically in the book of Romans where they say that God graciously gave us his son Jesus. So just think about that, is that he gave us the most prized thing that he could ever have in his life. And then he continues on and says, won't he graciously give us all things? And so God is consistently unfolding things in our lives. And it's our job to be able to say, hey, God, I'm holding a lot of things in my life that are from you. And so when we practice gratitude, it shifts our lives, it shifts our hearts, and ultimately it shifts the course of our lives here and in eternity.
0: The most important thing that we really want you to hear about this story, about Simeon and Anna, is this. It's actually not a story about Simeon and Anna. It's not a story about two humans who are good at waiting because we're not in here to, like, tell fables about good humans. This is a story about God being is being who he said he was. This is about God doing what he said he would do. This is a story about God sending Jesus to be in our midst, to be Emmanuel, God with us, fulfilling promises that actually brought our redemption and our restoration and our salvation and our healing. Um, And so we can kind of look at our hearts and say, like, how are we not waiting well? And how could we wait more worshipfully? But we have to also behold God in this story because he's the one who makes the waiting worth it. Mm -hmm. He is the one who actually, again, even while we perceive that we're waiting, is moving on our behalf, is working in us and through us.
1: That's so good. Um, To close, I want to just uh, give you this life hack. This is a life hack that I've just discovered. Um, if you are a Bible reading type, uh, one of the things I've learned is that you can start the January first reading plan in December. It's, it's a thing; like you can do it. And here's why: is because I'm gonna get behind at some point. Like I'm gonna fall behind, and then I'm gonna feel like guilty and all the things. So I've decided that I'm gonna start it in December. And then I'll probably still get behind it. That's okay. That's still good. Um, but one of the things that I'm, I'm seeing in those ancient scriptures and those ancient moments is how much of people walking with God was wrapped around this concept of faith. And so in, in all of their stories, they're waiting on God. They're trusting God. They're believing God. And in all of the waiting, it, it's, it's about faith. And another, another word for faith is trust. And so one of the things that happens in waiting is is us answering the question like, God, do I trust you? God, do I believe that you are the way through this and that things are gonna happen because of you and I believe in you and I trust you and I hope in you? And so one of the things that I've learned in my life is that the relationships that we have with God are all about trust and it's all about faith. And so what happens in our life is that for day one, our eyes are open to who God is and how he's working in our lives and how he sent his son Jesus and the work of Jesus on this planet and on the cross. And we say, hey, God, there is no way that I can do this life myself. There's no way that I can achieve salvation myself. There's no way that I can save myself. There's no way that I can provide eternity for myself. And there's got to be something bigger than myself in this life. And I don't have any answers. And so God, my answer is, is you, and so I put my trust and my hope in you, and so that's day one. And then I realized that tomorrow's gonna to come, and even though I made a decision to say, "Hey, I, I trust and believe in God," you know what happens tomorrow Because I've got to trust and believe in God. Mm. And one of the things I've learned is that faith, that faith is never a one-time decision; it is a lifetime declaration. Good. It is. And so as we close today, I just I just want to ask, like, how's your faith? Mm-hmm. Because one day you're gonna have to wait. Like one day you're gonna have to trust him. One day you are gonna be caught in the wilderness wandering around and you're gonna say, Hey God, where are you? And it's in those moments that we have the biggest trust and the biggest faith surface because God is gonna come so through. Good. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you that we get to stop before all of the hustle and we get to celebrate the coming of Jesus and the birth of Jesus. And Father, we are so grateful for your son, Jesus. We're grateful for uh, just how you chose to bring him into creation and how you did all of that. God, you you were intentional in how you... And so God, I just pray that we would be encouraged and have faith that... You will be intentional with us. You're never withholding. You're always unfolding. And so God, we're waiting. In the midst of the waiting, we are going to rely on faith and trust. Father, we love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.